As business owners, entrepreneurs, family men, it's difficult for us to find the time to put together projects like these. Even though it's something we really want to do, unfortunately, taking care of the things we have to take care of comes first. However, because of viewer support from people like you, we're able to continue doing this. Please consider joining our Patreon and supporting the Burning Return Podcast. Listening to Burn and Return, a weekly one-hour podcast covering news from the agricultural and turfgrass industries. Welcome to another episode of Burn and Return. Um, it's funny, you know, Demay and I were kind of cutting up in the intro there. And uh, Jay Pink messaged us privately and he said, I give up uh, so much for trying to remain professional and uh, and keep things as uh, well professional as possible. Jay Pink said, now I've, I've, clowns will be clowns. He said, I, I throw in the fuck y'all. Yeah, he did. <laughs> and uh, deservedly, very deservedly, because uh, we probably should not have done that. But you know what? When when duty calls, duty calls. And gentlemen, uh, boy, we've got we've got a show today. Uh, like I was talking about in the pre-show, if you do not have your lead hat ready, get it ready. This is not the episode where you need a tin foil. There's there is simply not enough tin on planet Earth to deflect everything coming at you that is going to be coming at you today from conspiracy world. And uh, and I and I'm I'm gonna try I'm gonna lean heavily into you on this Ryan to be a voice of reason, but I'm not gonna lie, it's beginning to look weird as hell, and uh, and it's so difficult to write it all off as as a, a, a coincidence at this point. So anyway, I thought that was interesting. For those of you that are tuning in for the first time, this is Burn and Return. Uh, we are three. One quasi turf professional and two turf grass professionals, and uh, and we have come together every week, mostly for the most part, to be able to to bring to you the latest news that we see out there that is going to have some sort of impact on the green uh, on the green industry, the industry we know and love, and that would be the turf grass ornamental lawn care uh, sector of the industry. And so we pick apart a lot that relays into food supply that is affected by fertilizer that is affected by commodity pricing. Uh, because ultimately all of that rolls downhill. So if you're interested in figuring out why the things happen in the industry, the way they happen within the industry, much like we like to determine why things happen as we apply various products or inputs or pesticides in, in people's properties, um, we do the same thing here, but from a more news-centric focus. Uh, so with that, gentlemen, let's go ahead and get rowdy right into this week's headlines. Nothing to fear here indeed. Just kidding. I'm here to induce all the fear. Uh, this first one here uh, is I'm just 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 a follow up on our friends in Sri Lanka uh, who have been through a real, real tough time. Uh, for those of you that don't know what happened in Sri Lanka, they attempted to go organic and boy, oh boy. Uh, did it turn bad uh, on top of record inflation and food shortages? 
and oh, you know, chemical pesticide bans that they did. It is just, it is not. It, Sri Lanka is not in a good place. Uh, and so we'll we'll kind of tap into this here. It will be hard to find a farmer left Sri Lanka reels from rash fertilizer ban. Harvest have collapsed, and the way President Raja Kapaksa introduced a policy angered even organic farmers. Uh, driving through the verdant landscapes of Rajang Naya, I'm so sorry for butchering that, a rural district in Sri Lanka where the hibiscus flowers pop out of rich green foliage and the mango trees are already weighed down by early fruit, it is hard to imagine this is a community in crisis. Yet for many of those who have farmed this land since the 60s, mainly with rice and banana crops, last year's have been the toughest of their lives. If things like this go on in the future, it will be hard to find a farmer left in Sri Lanka, a rice paddy farmer said. Uh, Sri Lanka is grappling with the worst economic crisis since its independence in 1948 and foreign currency reserves sit at their lowest level on record due to what may uh, what many see as gross economic mismanagement by the government uh, there is barely a citizen of this south asian island who hasn't felt the bite of catastrophic inflation and fuel food and medicine shortages in recent weeks for the farmers of sri lanka the problem began last april when president who now stands accused of pushing the country into financial ruin, implemented a sudden ban on chemical fertilizers. The full-on implications of this ill-advised policy, which now have been reversed, are only just being realized. Farmers say their livelihoods are under threat, and for the first time in its modern society, Sri Lanka, which usually goes rice and vegetables in abundance, could run out of food as harvests drop, and the government can no longer afford the food imports to the country has become over-dependent on in recent years. The rice yields dropped a staggering to 2.92 tons in 2021 to 2022, down from the previous year's 3.39. So we're talking about over a 30% decrease in yield there. Um, and it goes on, and, and, and it is a desperate, desperate situation. But I bring this up. I bring this up to highlight the fact that this right here is exactly what we can expect to happen as more of these widespread policies are adopted or attempted uh, with, with, with zero room for uh, parallel paths to try to do things differently, to be able to, to come up with quantifiable data on how these types of things will, will work. Unfortunately, what people forget is that this has happened before in the past, and we're just reliving history all over again. And now it's taken place in, place in Sri Lanka. And unfortunately, Mexico is headed into the same territory as well if they continue with their edicts moving into GMO crops and glyphosate, where we're going to start running into this. And everybody's going to point the finger at one another and say, no, it's your fault. No, it's your fault. No, it's your fault. No, it's your fault. But in the reality, the situation is, is that all of this has been forecasted, and it's real easy to point at. And, and see why and how it happens and what the economic impact is. People start starving. And then I'm going to run this straight into here because although things may be bad in Sri Lanka, guess what? Not doing too great in the United States as well. Uh, we have a press release from CF Industries. For those of you that don't know who CF Industries is, CF Industries is the largest nitrogen manufacturer in the United States. And not just the United States, but they're one of the largest in the damn globe. In the globe. Well, it turns out, the rail is not enjoying shipping fertilizer right now. And for whatever reason, and, I, and I've seen speculation on this in many different forms or fashions where people are saying that, oh, they're not shipping it because uh, 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 they're getting lower prices for moving uh, uh, rail cars of fertilizer or that th the risk of moving fertilizer requires all these different um, uh, 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 safety protocols to be implemented. And the railroads don't like doing it because it takes additional time and, uh, and has an additional cost that goes, goes along with it. And it takes away from, from uh, a precision rail delivery service that they, they, they want to, be, to become uh, fertilizer interrupts that. So, 
Um, CF Industries reaches out to Union Pacific, and also in the background, we've got BNSF, and uh, and I I, I want to say CSX is also in this as as well, although directly addressed here from uh, Union uh, from CF Industries uh, attorneys. This is directed at Union Pacific. They're basically saying, guess what? The application of nitrogen fertilizers maximize, is uh, critical to maximizing crop yields. If farmers are unable to secure all the nitrogen fertilizer that they require in the current season because of supply chain disruptions, such as rail shipping restrictions, the company expects yield to be lower. This will likely extend the timeline to replenish global grain stocks. Low global grain stocks continue to support high front month and forward prices for nitrogen consuming crops, which has contributed to higher food prices. CF Industries intends to engage directly with the federal government to ask Fertilizer shipments to be prioritized so that spring planting is not adversely impacted. Well, if anybody's paid attention to spring planting, again, go check out Standard Grain on YouTube. You will see that we are way behind, and most of that is due to weather. So it's kind of nice that, yeah, it, it, we do have on our time to be able to play a little bit of catch up here on uh, being able to get nitrogen to people because we're so far behind on spring planting right now, especially in the Midwest and the upper Midwest. Actually, pretty much everywhere. Uh, from Tennessee North is way behind. North Carolina is doing okay right now, but the but the rest of the United States uh, in the in the in the northern half is uh, is not doing well at all. Extremely extremely behind. In fact, we're so far behind that it's already starting to eat into potential yield that we're going to get. Um, all right, craziness right there, but it doesn't quite stop there yet. Um, it continues on uh, with CF Industries. CF Industries in uh, uh, the UK has opted to shut down their operations. And what the whole thing that was weird about this is that they just got a bailout. They just got a bailout of a 10 million pound grant that would allow the company to reopen its Billingham factory. They were forced to shut down uh, because of the surge in energy costs. They could no longer profitably produce CO2, which they're using for like drink carbonation and other things that, that uh, uh, industrial uses in the country. And so it was not exactly clear how much of the 10 million grant they actually received or if any at all. But preemptively, you know what? They said, ah, we appreciate you working with us, but you know what? It's still 10 million pounds is not going to be enough to, to be able to make this work. So we will continue on the path of shutting it down. So again, Another sector of CF Industries, one being hit the United States, and then CF Industries reaching out and seemingly taking advantage of uh, a financial opportunity to shut down in Europe and going ahead and doing it. So the whole thing is just a giant, giant clusterfuck. And to be honest, it makes everybody look like the bad guy. Um, and then actually, JPEG, I apologize. I'm going to skip the the next one here and uh, and go on to the last one here that talks about uh, a, a a fire. And this is out of powderbulksolids.com. So this is uh, an industrial uh, a moving company. And uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, this week, a Nutrien Ag Solutions facility caught on fire. Firefighters and a hazmat crew were sent to the Nutrient Ag Solutions fertilizer plant in Leote, Kansas, after a, after a blaze broke out at the facility Tuesday afternoon. Flames ignited on the North 4th Street location at about 3.30 p.m. Officials ordered evacuations for people living inside a half-mile radius of the plant. Fire chief Charlie Hughes told the station that flames were isolated to a forklift and non-hazardous chemicals. Uh, no injuries were logged during the incident, and a spokesperson, uh, according to a spokesperson from Nutrient Act. All right, why do I bring that up? Why is that important? Well, also, for those of you that don't know, there is we've had a fertilizer plant fire not too long ago take place in North Carolina. Now we have Nutrient Ag catching on fire. And then if you really, and gentlemen, gentlemen, I hate to even do this, but if you have not paid attention to what's going on in food processing facilities, 
not only are we seeing anomalies in the fertilizer space with shortages, force majeures, all that fun stuff, but also uh, now we've got two fires that are taking place, if not more. uh, I've actually had people that are pinging me right now with more instances of it. I might compile that for a little bit later here as I continue talking about this. But food processing facilities seem to be under the same path. And I'll read some headlines for you here. Uh, Bonanza Meat Company building fire on Pasanayo Drive near downtown El Paso. Fire erupts at meat processing facility in Lackawanna County. Crews battle major fire at Cobb County Meat Company. Fire shuts down Nebraska JBS beef plant. Massive fire at Salinas food processing plant contained. Evacuations lifted. Cattle rescued after fire destroys meat market. Large fire at Tyson poultry meal plant in Hansville, Alabama. Fire shuts down Hot Pockets plant in Jonesboro. Wisconsin River Meats says portion of, of Mouston plant a total loss after fire. Fire destroys Deli Star meat plant in St. Clair County. Explosion causes fire at Oregon potato chip plant. Several area departments respond to fire at Smithfield Foods. Fire causes 100,000 in damages to San Antonio food processing plant. Multiple alarm fire food processing operation in Hamilton Mountain. Fire ravages macro potato potato processing plant in Belfast, Maine. Memphis Fire Department responds to third alarm fire at Kellogg's Company. Explosion and fire reported at Cargill Nutrina Feed Mill. Oh, and then we had a Cessna 172 crash into one as well. This, this is I, I listen, guys, at what point, at what point, and this is a lot of this has occurred over like the, within the last year and a half, within the last year and a half. What is going on? Is this just the fact that we have greater access to news and information and that's why it's able to be compiled and listed out like this? Is this an extreme number of fires? Uh, uh, is it? Is it is everybody so hungry for tragedy that news stations are out there looking for like, even if it isn't a total loss at a, at a plant, but they're like, Oh, I smell smoke. We better hurry up and, and get it listed in the news. And you know, we got to freak everybody out. I don't know, but I'm not going to lie. Gentlemen, I work in manufacturing. Fires are relatively common for the most part. They're, they're pretty much contained and does not require the intervention of uh, um, uh, the fire department. Oh. Now, if you're dealing with hundreds of thousands of tons of material, yeah, it could get a bit more extreme. But at the same time, when you're dealing with hundreds of thousands of tons of material, you have a little bit different safety protocols in place than you do when you have like, oh, I don't know, 100 pounds of material. Somebody commented and said unskilled labor. Could that be a contributing factor? I don't know. All of this does. And that's why I'm bringing it up. I bring up all of this to say that this is weird. All of it is weird. The Sri Lanka situation is weird. The timing of the thing in Mexico is weird. The CF Industries and the rail situation is weird. And I saw um, uh, CF Industries reached out to President Biden and was like, please, can you do something for us? And he said, I'll have a chat with the rail companies. And then they released this press release and the rail companies turned right around and was like, basically like, ah, no, sorry, we're more interested in precision railroad. Uh, so the whole thing is just bizarre. Now we've got fertilizer plants on fire. We got food processing plants that seemingly can't stop catching on fire. It's at what point does this not seem scripted? Am I am it is my lead hat failing? Are the waves getting through and rotting my brain here? Do I need to wear Matt. two lead hats? Do I need to stop eating the lead? Is that the problem? Am I eating the lead too too frequently? This isn't 4chan. This is turf chan. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure? I, uh I don't know. I, I what what you're talking about if, to coordinate something like that to make it all happen? I mean, uh, I, 
I don't know. I uh, Here's my voice of reason. Wait, wait, right, Ryan. I'm not even saying that it's coordinated. I'm not even saying that it's coordinated. Okay. But what is the world saying to us when this is happening? Is this, is this, is this a deity looking down on us and saying you don't deserve to be here anymore? I, okay, so like... Uh, and there's there's way too many things to unpack here. <laughs> number one, number one, uh, th- this is okay. First thing I'm going to say, the, uh, look at the workforce right now. Okay, the people that want to be working are definitely working. I'm not saying that everybody that is working though is you know an all star, right? A world beater. So do we maybe have some people uh, doing some things that they shouldn't be doing, right? That they otherwise in a perfect world wouldn't be doing, probably. Do we also have places that are paying, you know, more than uh, the the average wage, right, for a particular job? And even though that they're paying a higher wage, doesn't necessarily mean that they're getting somebody who's as skilled as they should be. Or, same time, how many of these places are running on skeleton crews? Shit gets missed. Maintenance checks get forgotten about, not done, right, skipped over, whatever the case might be. And that's when shit piles up. You know, right, we all know. That if you don't yeah, yeah. do some of those things, that there could be, you know, there, there's there's bound to be some bad things that happen. So I, I would say that this is more of a exposure of the symptom, right? And the fact that, uh, listen, our, our our whole method of bringing products to consumers in this country, including commodities, for a long time has been razor thin and completely fucked up and nobody knew about it. It was just something you didn't talk about. You didn't have to, right? Because the shit was there. And now it's just this big conversation. And, you know, we had this conversation about the labor piece, like in in turf last week or the week before, where, um, you know, we said that, hey, listen, we were sounding the alarm bells and, and doing all this shit five, six years ago, right? Whereas everybody now is like, oh, man, I can't get any help. Nobody wants to work. Nobody, like, uh, no shit. It's the same thing we went through. So all I'm saying is that, now, collectively, as a society, and unfortunately, it's uh, affecting some really crucial sectors here, like, right, ag, you know, ag companies, like, uh, you know, commodity producers, raw material suppliers, things like that. The logistics of getting all that shit around, right? And all, the, all that being said, right, then you've got, you know, world events and shit. I'm just saying, it is really fucked up. Is it a deity or something that is inspiring against this? No, I don't think so. But I also would agree with your last statement there that we have more access to information and more power for thought than we ever have had ever before, right? So who knows how much really fucked up shit happened in the past that we just never knew about, realized, or wanted to acknowledge in history books, right? So um, I'm not ready to... You know, put on my lead hat. I think it's okay. The timing of it all is unfortunate, though, is where I'm at. Because, you know, it, 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 at a time we need stability and security, um, especially related to uh, 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 in the commodity space, especially related to commodities, we need that exceptionally uh, aggressively right now. And it's this is more pandemonium into the marketplace. This is going to continue to cause uh, fear in the in the marketplace, and that's why you see things trading with wild volatility, like you do in the commodity space. 
because these are just more compounding factors that are already adding to an, an already testy situation. Ray, you you will entertain my conspiracy world. I read this. Right. I talk about this. Where are you at on it? <laughs> you know, I have to agree with Ryan to a large extent. And the other factor to this is for the past two years, Matt, everything has been COVID, 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 right? And in that emphasis, things such as maintenance of facilities and factories has, you know, gone by the wayside almost because it's more important to keep everybody out of the building than it is to keep the damn plant running, for example. And likewise, uh, you know that the incident with the rail company? Mm-hmm. That, Matt, that is payback. That is payback. And you know why that's payback? No, when I don't. No, when the president went to them, the railroad and said, could you please, you know, help us out? We're in a situation. What did the railroad do? They did this, right? And you know why yeah. they did that? Because the railroad companies were a sector that would have been affected by all of the COVID mandates. And only up, up only recently have most of those COVID mandates been dropped. And with those COVID mandates, the net effect of those mandates would be for a lot of these people in industries such as railroad, food manufacturing, et cetera, trucking even, all of these guys stood to lose their job, okay? They stood to lose their, their job. And so I am not surprised when the railroad company gets asked for help and their answer is, yeah, we'll think about it. Uh, we thought about it. No. It, it's, 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 I'm not going to lie. It's shocking. Um, to, I'm to not surprised. And, and to, to, <laughs> see, to see a press release from CF Industries like that, like it's basically like, hey, we're going to talk tough to you. You better effing help us out, which is kind of the way that was written. That was kind of my take on how it sounded and the and kind of the, the emotion that was addressed behind it. Um, and I and I just I did not expect. I was like, oh, boy, that's that's a little testy. Um, and what's interesting to me is that the, the 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 railroad industry not being like, OK, we're looking at this from uh, an objective point of view here. And, and we see all the domino pieces and. uh you know, for the for the for the greater good of humanity, for the greater good of the nation, for the strength of the nation. All right. <laughs> you know, we hate doing it, but we ought to step up and do this. But I also get to for where you're coming on your point too, there, Ray, where they were like, well, we stood stood to lose, you know, 20%, 30%, 40% of our workforce due to restrictions or mandates or whatever the case may be. Uh, you know, we're not going to do anything the government tells us to do right now. You know, maybe if uh, CF Industries and comes to us with their hand open and uh, and a decent checkbook. We, you know, we'll we'll get a little uh, feisty with them, uh, but until then, uh, you know, we're we're not going to take directions from the government on how we should handle CF Industries or whoever the case may be. Uh, it's just the the whole thing is interesting and weird and bizarre and crazy, and the timing of it could not be any worse. 
and I was for the most part joking about my conspiracy with the um uh, the food processing facilities. But you know, in what y'all were talking about, actually made a lot of sense there with um, um, running skeleton crews, preventative maintenance falls to the wayside, and I can tell you that lead times on replacement parts right now are absolutely asinine. Anything you order right now that you used to be able to get in a week to three weeks is easily three to four x that right now. So, for instance, if you've got a baghouse dust collector. And, you know, as those uh, inline filters in that in that bag house fill up and they need to be replaced, you know, they blow down. You put compressed air through it and it knocks, you know, the free dust through and, you know, it'll fall into a barrel and then you discard the barrel, or reintroduce it in the line or whatever the case may be. But you need to replace those filters on a certain interval and you can't get it because you expected a one to three week lead time. And now they're like it's going to be 12 to 18 weeks lead time on it. And you're trying to milk those that that bag house as much as you possibly can because you're not going to have filters you're like well we got to run we don't have new filters for it we might we might lose a little bit of throughput capacity because you know our filters are plugged uh but you know we'll hose them out the best we can with compressed air and see what ends up happening and uh, and you know what happens is you, you get a bunch of fine particulate in a con, uh, enclosed space like that and it takes a little bit of a spark and then you've got a boom and then when things go boom Fire departments show up, news news departments show up, and they start writing about it. It makes it into the news, and then it fuels fodder for what's coming up next, right? And that doesn't make it into the news article, and the people that are compiling this aren't looking at it from that point of view. So I really appreciate your uh, y'all's takes on that. It, uh, I think, I think that's a very, very common sense approach to it. Now, there was one more, one more I wanted to bring up here, and we'll fly through it because we're kind of running short on time on this part of it, but. I couldn't decide whether to put this in Burns, but I was like, ah, we'll go ahead and throw it in the headlines and just keep an eye on it and see how it plays out. Uh, New York Hamlet looks to replace pesticides with kelp. Oh, boy. The <laughs> Honorable Joseph Colby Town of Oyster Bay Golf Course will use a nutrient-dense edible seaweed, which is a natural source of key minerals, vitamins, and when processed, and an organic alternative to chemical fertilizers. We're starting off with our golf course, and that's why we call the initiative From Farm to Fairway. What a horrific slogan, by the way. That is the laziest, lamest slogan I've ever heard. Uh, so they're using sugar kelp as one of the 30 varieties of large brown and green seaweed growing in saltwater, and it's about to make a move on the golf course. We're starting off with our course, our farm, farm to fairway uh, initiative, and, uh, and we're going to see what happens because it's full of nutrients and vitamins and minerals and all that fun stuff and is a great alternative to chemical fertilizer. It's perfect because I think organic uh, material is the way to go. Oyster Bay golfer, Varghese George said, not a turf grass manager, not a plant scientist, but a golfer said, that's got to be a great thing, right? Normally, the kelp would degrade and the nitrogen would go back to the estuary into the ecosystem. But by removing it and putting it on the golf course, it basically closes the nitrogen loop. Now, we have a marine biologist, Dr. Aaron Freeman, commenting on it. Kelp removes nitrogen pollution from the water, CBS2 reported. These aquaculture projects are phenomenal, and we we'll really commend the town for making a commitment to finding innovative ways of improving water quality. The kelp will be rinsed of salt, dried in the sun until crispy, and put through a leaf chipper. And within a month, it will be ready oh, to be dispersed. Oh, my God. It's some redneck shit right here. If it works on the golf course, kelp will become routine placement in town parks. Oyster Bay plans to grow and process 3,000 feet of kelp in the first year. Um, that is the equivalent of 10 football fields. Uh, gentlemen, what we see here is, I, I, and I, I, I'm just going to watch it. I'm not going to say anything right now, but I'm, I'm going to watch this because um, it, is, it is a hope and a dream and wishful thinking. And uh, heaven forbid we have to deal with any Irwinia. Um, but if I recall correctly, I believe the plan for 
uh, uh, Sri Lanka was to move to a seaweed fertilizer, and we see how that played out. But now we're going to try it in golf instead of farm, and that may be the appropriate thing to do. I don't know. And is it truly going to replace pesticides? That is wishful thinking. Ray, talk to me about this. Is kelp the new frontier to eliminating pesticides? Matt, this is old, okay? This was actually tried in the 1960s and the 1970s. And my first experience with kelp was in this product called MaxiCrop. That was a kelp extract that was uh, first developed in the UK and it came to the United States. And you know what? That was my first exposure to buy my shit. Okay. And on top of that, I know for myself, what happens when you apply excessive amounts of kelp to plants? It is basically the wrong thing to do because kelp is not a blank or inert source of NPNK. Kelp also has a lot of plant hormones in it. And so you cannot hope to supply adequate NPNK to plants without also having that uh, hormonal baggage come along with it. So this is just uh, a case of nice thought, but please rethink. You know, I think about it from the standpoint that you can uh, uh, hormonally manipulate uh, a a man or a woman, right? Mm -hmm. And in order to maximize the results you get out of that, you have to adjust your diet and your lifestyle to support the hormone manipulation that goes along with it, right? You can't just start Absolute. taking testosterone and expect to turn into Arnold Schwarzenegger. It doesn't work that way, right? Nope. Uh, you, 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 it has to be a lifestyle choice that goes along with it. In the same instance, you start forcing hormones into a plant, you have to have the appropriate agronomy to go along with it in order to capitalize on the realized benefits of it, right? And even then, there's a limit to it. I can't take five grams of testosterone a week and expect to be a normal human being. My heart would explode. My heart would literally be the size of Demay's head, and it would explode. Go ahead, Demay. What if you Bermuda grass, didn't want potash or potassium, but drank Red Bull? What would you do then? I'd run a marathon because that makes the most sense in that kind of scenario. That was a great <laughs> callback, by the way. That was a great callback. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I think I think this is silly, to be honest, but go go for it. Let them try. I guarantee you the superintendent that has been tasked with this is absolutely miserable, and he's going to play along and be like, oh, yeah, I'm so excited about this, and he's going to go home, and he's going to drink a 12-pack of beer, and he's going to bitch at his wife about, here we've got another member task force that has put an unrealistic expectation upon me that is not feasible. It's not sustainable. And you know what? I've got to pretend like it's going to work until it doesn't anymore. And then when it doesn't, they'll probably hang it over my head and fire me for it. And it's just a shitty, shitty situation to be in. Am I, am I right on that demay or am I overreacting there? He could be into it. He might not be. I have no idea. I don't want to speak for him, but I will just say that, um, here, here would be my thing if I was walking into the situation as a professional doing what I do would be if 
this is what you want to do. I'm not here to talk you out of it. My question would be, how do we define success in this situation? Like really define success. Does that mean that, hey, the grass is still green and we didn't use any pesticides? Does that mean that we only lost 50% of our grass? Does that mean that we removed X number of tons of kelp out of the bay? Like, what are we going for here? Like, that would be my question. Like, just doing something to say that you did it is kind of fucking worthless in my estimation. So, again, I, I always question clients on that particular piece is, like, it's great that we, you know, we say we want to do things and we have plans and everything like that, but what is the payoff in the end and or what is the objective here? And I'm kind of struggling to figure out what that might be in this case. You know, I... I'm, I'm with you there because my first question would be, what is the metric in this case that defines that this is successful? And then I need to then drill down as to that metric being, okay, so we didn't use any chemical fertilizers or we didn't do, you know, apply any pesticides. Great. However, is the course still largely playable? Uh, is our labor inputs increasing or decreasing? Uh, you know, there's all of these metrics that some of them work together, some of them work against each other, and I want to know what is the endpoint of this all because you know the frequent theme on burn and return are is seems to be good ideas gone bad am i right you're exactly right and i and th you know the the headline here of we're going to replace all pesticides with kelp is asinine and that could be the fault of the writer and not the actual intent of the golf course at all uh speaking of the um <laughs> i had some real good self-deprecating humor there that it may have been it may have been a little too dark it was dark. It may have been a little too dark and probably not the appropriate segue for this week's sponsor, which is Lawn Supply Company. Uh, yeah. If you would like to check out uh, some things that if you, you pro level solutions for the elite homeowner. How about that? I love that tagline right there. Uh, if you're into doing things like Ryan Knorr and literally maintaining your home lawn as if it is a golf course, uh, check out the products that are offered here. Uh, you have everything from soluble, sprayable nutrients to liquid formulations uh, for your favorite spoon-free approach or aesthetic that you're looking to uh, achieve. It's all available right there. Check it out, Lawn Supply Company. Head on over to ryanorlawncare.com and, uh, and check it out. There's some definite unique technologies there that come in the form of uh, uh, the new Green Ore SP Biochelate. Uh, again, a chelate that protects up to a pH of 9, and we've actually tested that all the way up to a pH of 12 for uh, for at least 24 hours. It's actually a little bit longer than that. Uh, we started seeing failure somewhere around the 18-day mark at a pH of 12. So pretty interesting product there, and definitely the only one like it on the market. And, um, you know, out there, if you're looking for the next frontier of your literal golf course style lawn and i i i'm i mean that in a very very literal sense uh if you're paying attention to what ryan nor and ryan demay talked about on the upcoming turf cast you will see that uh it is some real deal shit this ain't no uh weekend warrior type of project all right gentlemen uh we we i i felt like i kind of set the headlines on fire but let's go ahead and talk about this week's burns too 
it never gets old to me. <laughs> it really doesn't. And uh you know, I feel like I feel like Sheila probably when she gets x rays does not need to put any lead plates or, or jackets around her midsection because everything bad that's, that's happened's already happened. <laughs> Just saying. It couldn't be any worse than what she's already experienced. Yeah. They um, they call it Chernobyl there for a reason. <laughs> Sheila we love you from the bottom of our hearts, and we mean that. Mean it. Love you. Mean it. Um, the first one here is, uh, boy, ha! this is this is one of those that's real counterintuitive to everything we want to believe about, um, uh, you, you know, the uh, 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 using what way? And Ryan or Ray, either of you, correct me, but I believe the tagline in one of the videos that we watched in the after show was. Uh, this product containing humic is is pushing micronutrients into the soil and into the plant. Uh, no, biostimulants push, in this particular case, it was a humic product, is pushing micros into the soil and into the plant uh, somehow, some way. I don't know, but the idea is that, you know, we need think about. more microbes. We need more microbes and more uh, more uh, micros, more micros and microbes. Well, come to find out that it could be destroying our soils, as a matter of fact, according to this peer-reviewed <laughs> publication. Uh, iron is to blame for carbon dioxide emissions from soil, says a soil scientist from RUDN, uh, which is some university. Uh, iron minerals and bacteria can be the main agents of carbon dioxide emissions from the soil. Soil scientists from RUDN University made this conclusion after studying the process of organic plant waste decomposition of the micro level. <laughs> I got choked there. Um, iron, iron and hydrogen peroxide entered into a reaction as a result of which active oxygen forms, oxygen radicals. These radicals destroy plant waste in the soil and promote carbon dioxide emissions. The result of the study was published in the Geoderma Journal. Carbon dioxide is considered one of the main reasons for global warming, and almost half of it is released to the atmosphere from the soil. The most active soil-breathing areas usually contain decomposing plant waste. Such areas tend to have hot spots, local zones up to one uh, cubic centimeter in volume where the decomposition is process processed is almost a hundred times faster due to a combination of high moisture and good aeration. These hospits, uh, hotspots offer perfect living conditions to soil microorganisms. Previously, microbial activity had been considered the reason for active CO2 emissions. However, a soil scientist from RUDN university confirmed that it was in fact oxidation reduction transitions of soil iron that caused them. And it goes on to des describe this in more detail as uh, as far as what's going on. But it turns out the reactive oxygen or oxygen radicals, um, and especially in areas that are uh, uh, high in iron, you get this iron and hydrogen peroxide, which is incredibly, incredible. One, it attracts a shite load of microbial activity. This one particular instance, because you have all this free radical oxygen there. And then uh, second of all, it very, very, very rapidly degrades organic matter, thus causing a massive <coughs> deflux of CO2 release. So in this particular instance, applying a bunch of bacteria to the soil or stimulating a bunch of bacteria into the soil to increase uh, microbial mineralization and feed the microbes, feed the soil, and then adding a little bit of iron to it just to kickstart things and jumpstart things, actually turns out maybe contributing to one of the problems we're facing you try to do good you're 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 working on the soil do you hear me demay i am working on my soil. i am building my soil i am soil 
soil-focused. I am soil-centered. I soil-tested. I amend my soil. I spray my amendments. I'm amending, and I am causing a metric ton of CO2 release as a result. Is this wishful <laughs> thinking gone bad? Is this science catching up to what we've been doing? What's going on here? I, you know, a little bit more of the latter. And I, here, here is the thing, specifically in turf and really ag in general, right, is that you know, the the approach for a long time has been to study these, um, you know, cause and effect type situations in a vacuum, right? In as controlled of an environment as we possibly can, maybe even in a lab, right? And then introduce into the field to see if we can replicate that same work, right? And same results. And sometimes, depending on uh, the crop, in particular turf grass, right? Like we don't, we don't see a lot of replication across multiple sites all the time. Right. And so I guess the point here is that uh, when it comes down to it is this, is that the research is going to continue to take as far as it will take us. However, there's not a whole lot of research going on, unfortunately. And so this gets back into, again, what is the value of a professional turf grass manager? And I'm not saying that the people that who are listening that aren't professional turf grass managers need to STFU or anything like that. What I'm saying is this. This is how you can discern a professional, Ray. And that is, is that to understand that what you do out there in the field, each decision that you make and each product that you apply or uh, input that you uh, put into the system, right, has some other effect either at that same time, right, almost instantaneously or sometimes downstream. And it is your job as a professional to manage all of those inputs, right? Or in some cases, like we've talked about before, Ray, simply doing nothing, which is sometimes the hardest thing to do with turf, to manage to a result. And I think that is the thing that Matt, your uh, you know, uh after dark rage tweeting has gotten at here as of late. <laughs> and this is what I come back to each time is that that is what sets apart, you know, somebody can say they're a pro. Somebody can do this for money, and that's great, and I'm not saying that they're wrong for doing it and making a living like that. However, a true professional turf grass manager is one that tries to manage the best that they possibly can with those inputs to get to a certain result. And they don't always win. They don't always succeed, right? There's failure that's involved in there too. So I think what this shows us, right, is that, even when we think we're doing good and even when we're having a positive response from something, it doesn't necessarily mean that there are not effects, right, ulterior to our given objective. And that's what we always need to be under, understanding and aware of. So that's all I have to say about that. That was so eloquent. That was Ray, wonderful. Because... I know <laughs> that after after reading this, that you are going to run out there and uh, and throw away all the humic acid in your arsenal. Just kidding. I know you don't have any. So, um, <clears throat> you know, talk talk to me here. Is this is this one of these moments where you kind of what you know you 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 kind of want to say you know see I told you so or uh, you know think twice before you make a final decision? I don't know. Can, tell me tell me what's kind of ruminating in your brain here. Well. I think uh, you, you you just called it, uh, I told you so, okay? I told you so. Uh, soil operates in a balance, and in most cases, that soil comes to its own balance without us idiot humans 
messing around and thinking that we're smarter than Mother Nature. You see, I am supremely unimpressed by the people that, for example, want to force feed soil a lot of organic matter because you guys know what the other greenhouse gas is. The other greenhouse gas is methane. <laughs> and methane is literally produced when organic matter decomposes, right? Mm -hmm. And first question is, how is that organic matter getting into the soil? Oh, because uh, stupid humans put it there because somebody else on YouTube told us you need to feed your soil. Put on this uh, <laughs> organic matter-containing granular liquid. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to say put on this T-shirt that's too small and have hard nipples and tell us about how to do that. <laughs> no, no. No, I, I, I'm getting to I the point here. I'm getting to the point to of... <laughs> you put that Cialis of... down right now, goddammit. <laughs> no, no. I, I'm getting to the point of all of this applying organic matter. And by the way, here's one of my diagnostics for <clears throat> turf that has too much organic matter. The soil literally stinks. Okay, it stinks to me, and it smells like something's rotting, and that's, that rotten smell is no doubt uh, what methane and hydrogen sulfide, for example, because I, you know, just this week, I had a conversation with somebody else in the business where he asked me, so Ray, the price of produced compost has doubled on me. Should I continue using that stuff? And you know what my answer to him was? I yes. told him, yes. only, in only in Hawaii do we aspire to grow grass on soil that contains over 50% Incompletely de decomposed organic matter. Only in Hawaii do we do that kind of shit. Uh, I told him, if it were up to me, the grass would be grown on just regular soil, given its NPNK, and that's about it. Uh, organic matter, I told him, is for flower beds and home vegetable gardens. And in that and instance, whoever told you, I, that makes you're okay with sense. it. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm okay. Yeah. I'm okay with it too. But then, what I, you know, I'm going to finish by saying, whoever said that you need high organic matter content to grow grass, whoever said that, I think they're a little bit miseducated. And my guess is, and I'm giving them some grace, is they probably tried to translate growing flowers or vegetables to growing grass. And that's you why know, they're pushing so much organic matter. Yeah, no doubt. It is, it is, 
and I don't want to think it. Can you can you grow decent grass using organic matter as a fertilizer? Sure, no problems with it at all. But to, to take it to the next level and say that what you're doing is way more environmentally responsible than the next guy, or what you're doing is the only way to do it, is just 100% not true. And now, un- unfortunately, what's happening is it's catching up that, you know, hey, if you're applying lots of organic matter and stimulating all that soil biology that you're just dying to get brought up, and then, you know, maybe applying something like a little additional nitrogen, which is going to accelerate the decomposition of organic matter or the mineralization of organic matter or a little bit of iron. And all of a sudden you're getting reactive, uh, uh, active oxygen, oxygen radicals that are forming and causing incredibly huge hotspots of CO2 release as a result of it, that where your plan to be environmentally responsible, your plan to do things differently just backfired. And, uh, you know, good old standard MPK agronomy caught up to you is looking like, well, maybe it wasn't such a bad idea after all. Um, the yeah, next I one here, so. and, <laughs> yes, as Ray said, uh, <laughs> is we have a lovely family. A Kingston family's house was bombarded with golf balls. They sued the country club next door and won nearly $5 million. It's been emotionally taxing on us. 700 golf balls were not included with the, when the Tenzars bought the Tenzars bought their $750,000 Kingston home, but neither were the broken windows, dented siding, and gunshot-sounding golf ball hits that turned their dream home into a nightmare. Uh, The couple decided to pursue legal action and sue their neighbors at the Indian Pond Country Club for trespassing over the continual bombardment, the paper reports. In December, a jury granted the Tenzars $3.5 million in damages and emotional and mental suffering after a six-day trial. The the awards totals $4.9 million with interest, the paper <laughs> their son, uh, their kids right have now. to wear bicycle ham- helmets when playing outside. Golf ball splash into kiddie pools, and most recently, a deck railing got knocked out. Uh, <sighs> when the family bought the house in 2017, they fell in love with it. However, it turned into a disaster. Uh, boys, the world has gone soft. Um, I don't, I don't know what else to say here, but uh, I, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how I feel about this. So listen, you, you know what, fucking. You get seven figures for pain and suffering for you choosing to buy a fucking house on the inside of a dog leg left. I'm sorry, gentlemen, but go outside and play hide and go fuck yourself, please, <laughs> please. The sideways. Okay, make sure it's four. in the Reckless. make sure it's in the back. Make sure you're playing go hide and go fuck yourself in the backyard too, please. But this <laughs> is unbelievable. I can't. Okay. I mean. Really, yeah. Jeez. Really, this this is horrible because this reminds me of all of these people that have come to Hawaii in the last thirty years now, and guess what they proceed to do when they when they move here? They told all the farms, "You can't do that anymore," and they chose to move right next to a farm and oh we don't like the dust from tillage oh we don't want you spraying anything uh you can't do that anymore uh so what's next uh you move next to a golf course and you tell the golfers oh sorry you guys can't play golf anymore and you chose to move in next to the next door to the golf course my goodness, because 
here's what I would probably do if I live next to a golf course. I would probably plant oh. a nice dense Move. hedge. No, I'd plant a nice dense hedge that would screen off my my property. That way the shrubbery catches the golf balls and the golfers ain't looking at me and I ain't looking at them. Everybody's happy. Okay, that, that's the, how I'd handle it. <laughs> the, the, you know, I, I get their, you know, feel like it's a disaster or whatever. $5 million seems crazy excessive. Um, but, you know, in, 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 and I hate to even defend these people, but we'll say, for instance, the golf course was not covering the damages for whatever reason. Um, and they were expected to pocket this and, you know, say that was three and a half million dollars of repairs. It's not, you know, I could see where that would be parlayed into it. But the fact that a lot of this was awarded on, uh, the mental pain and suffering thing, I'm, I'm out, I'm out at that point And I just can't take it serious. <laughs> Speaking of not taking things serious, uh, we potentially should take this serious, but boy, there's a lot to unpack here more so than what the headline paints. An ancient protein could keep our crops alive during a searing future climate. Uh, we're talking about Rubisco here. Uh, Rubisco is an old enzyme uh, that promotes uh, photosynthesis in plants. And it was discovered many millions of years ago when the Earth was experiencing one of its hottest climates in the last 50 million years. In a study published April 15th in the journal Science Advances, researchers were able to use modern-day versions of Rubisco and piece together an idea of what the enzyme looked like in ancient times. As a result, scientists may be able to harness its power once again to help ensure our crops in the future can adapt and resist climate change and provide us all with the fresh fruits, vegetables, and grains we need. Um, plants suck in carbon dioxide to produce oxygen. They aren't exactly just able to make use of carbon dioxide in its current gaseous form. Rubisco, short for rubulose-1,5-biophosphate carbolase oxygenase, is the most abundant enzyme found on Earth. It transforms carbon dioxide into a biologically friendly form, which the plants then use to build their tissues. But the problem is, is that Rubisco interacts with oxygen. This undesirable mingling produces toxic byproducts that slow down photosynthesis and, by extension, impact crop yields. Scientists have been sussing out ways to mitigate this issue and improve crop production by genetically engineering plants to make an algae-derived form of the enzyme or other tweaks. But these efforts haven't really worked. Uh, so what they did is they've uh, taken a trip down memory lane, uh, put together like a large family tree to try and predict and understand what it looked like uh, many, 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 many millions of years ago when the earth was extremely, extremely freaking hot. Uh, to see if um, if they can reproduce that type of Rubisco that was much less reactive with oxygen and see if we can then introduce that into uh, what we see, know as modern crop production. And it's pretty interesting because they're getting to use things like CRISPR and all the fun stuff that we hear about actually being used in uh, the green industry, which I think is cool. However, I do want to point this out here is that although this sounds really awesome, and I, I am in giant favor of it, and I'm glad they're going down memory lane to try and come up with a solution here. However, this is a long, long, long way away before we have a marketable, tangible product or genetically engineered crop that would be uh, able to take advantage of this information that's impacting here. And I do not think the article gave it fair due diligence of pointing that out. Is there anything else y'all would like to add, Joe? Uh, I think what you'll see, right? So, okay, for those that don't know or understand what Rubisco is, I'm going to have my, my shower thought moment of the day for everybody. Literally, without this enzyme, life as we know it would not exist. 
Life would not exist without Rubisco. So Rubisco is the enzyme that's responsible for fixing carbon out of the air and putting it into a, uh, a form that is available to the plant to use then for energy production, right? So if you think about that, if we have no plants, you know, you hear about nuclear winter and all this other shit, this one fucking enzyme is literally all that stands between us and not existing. So that's uh, makes it kind of important. Uh, I think what you'll see, Matt, I agree wholeheartedly that, you know, trying to reverse engineer uh, ancient uh, enzymes is a noble cause, but I don't think you're going to see that. I think what you're going to find is the adaptation of C4 plants, which uh, to our folks at home, those are warm season plants, right? So like Bermuda grass, like corn, right? They like, like the heat. They like the heat, but here's here's the other thing though, Matt. The issue is, right, because we have C3 plants, cool season plants, C4 plants, right? Ray, what's the difference there? C3 plants fix a three carbon molecule, right? C4 plants C- fix a four carbon. And they have, a, they have an additional pathway to fix carbon outside of just the normal entry through the stomata in the plant. And so yes. I think what you'll see is more widely adopted and just like this asshole here growing Bermuda grass in Ohio, you're going to see more widely adapted <laughs> C4 plants, C4 <laughs> plants into northern climates as temperatures prog- you know progressively rise, right, into different areas of the country where they weren't so much doing it before, right? And we'll find and, and select out for specific species and cultivars and things like that that perform better in albeit cold climates, but still, right, using that energy production that we get from C4. I think the only other thing that you can say here is that with Rubisco and what they're trying to do is as carbon dioxide levels rise, right, in the atmosphere, that maybe there's some credence, right, to some increased um, production, right, and yield uh, with these plants. So I I yield my time. Well, I I think uh, Rubisco, though, if I'm not mistaken, that came about, at a time when our Earth's a- atmosphere was also very oxygen deficient. So, yeah, they talk about that in the article where the, the carbon dioxide levels in the atmosphere at that time were more than double what they are now. You know, upward, over yes. 800 parts per million as opposed to like 400-ish parts per million. Well, and, and even then, that what I'm seeing by oxygen poor, uh, I'm talking about basically where there was not enough oxygen to support life as we know it. So it's going to take a lot of engineering to make that Rubisco work in our present atmosphere where we have enough oxygen to support normal life. I mean, it's going to take a lot. I mean, it's promising, but this reminds me of... uh, you know, that situation where you got to tell the engineers, hey, uh, back to the drawing board uh, and work out all of the bugs and downsides. Yep. And we'll we'll continue to keep an eye on it. I'm, I'm, I hope to see great progress in this uh, because, you know, it may unlock a whole new frontier the way we approach, you know, growth in general. Um Gentlemen, we've we've beaten enough up. We've beaten ourselves enough up. We've beaten our brains up. Let's bring it all back with this week's returns. La 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 la
Don't forget about Hell. Sheila too. She was she was like that Van Wait, Halen what? album. No, I said you, you. Everybody was in used and beaten up and everything. You you neglected to mention Sheila. Like that Van Halen album. What Road Hard put away what? Yeah. All right, go on. Oh, I was thinking Hot for Teacher. Uh, listen, mm, Sheila's, Sheila's taught not many a things in her day. What? She's teaching. <laughs> she's teaching the real homie side of home ec. You know what I mean? Hey, <laughs> quick question. Yeah, Hagar or 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 David Lee Roth, dude. We've talked about this before. All right, here's the deal: Roth invariably better as a group. Okay, when Roth was there singing for them. Okay, however, Sammy Hagar. I got to meet him on the golf course. He's a huge golfer. He plays like 200 rounds a year. I don't know if he still does, but when I was on the golf course, he he was here in town to tour. I get to talk to him for five minutes. The nicest fucking guy you will ever meet. Just had a normal conversation with him. He asked me about grass. We talked turf for a little bit. We talked about his favorite courses. And then he was like, all right, man, well, I'm going to go on. And I was like, yeah, that's cool. Nice talking to him. I mean, like the most down-to-earth fucking cool dude you'll ever meet. You didn't well, want to be like the guy that accosted Mike Tyson on the plane and be like, David Lee Roth is better, you tool. <laughs> that guy. That I guy. Can't drive 55, you loser. Made a terrible mistake. He did. Yeah. I mean, what, what a horrible case of you just messed with the wrong guy. Well, and, and let's be let honest. Tell you, <laughs> go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say, like, if that hadn't occurred on a plane, how much worse would that have been? Like, if that was, like, in an alley or a bar or something where a bunch of dudes would have just stood back and let them go at it, yeah, how bad be, would that have ended? We'd be scraping him up with a snow shovel. <laughs> uh, speaking of making bad mistakes, uh, TJ yeah. Jones probably thought at one time he was making a bad mistake, but uh, it turned out to be something that he enjoyed. Uh, how TJ Jones transformed from a naval cook to a future turf grass manager. And the joke there is that he made the mistake of joining the green industry, but actually turns out he fell in love with it. Uh, at North Carolina State, you will learn things that you never thought could be possible. Uh, being here provides great opportunity to expand your knowledge. Outdoors enthusiast and former naval cook TJ Jones, thank you for your service. It's fulfilling an ambition of becoming a turf grass management professional. Uh, during Celebrate Diversity Month, we're spotlighting this impressive student to begin his academic career at the Agricultural Institute at 24. AGI tracks students from various regions of the state, provides hand-on education, professional training, in the agricultural industry via its two-year degree programs. The Institute's six academic programs offer students a practical knowledge and experience to succeed in agriculture and related industries. Set to graduate December 2022, Jones' journey reveals hopeful message that following your inner compass can lead to a greater sense of purpose and fulfillment. And I can say without a doubt, um, that is specifically to me what I enjoy most about the green industry. And I'm really impressed and I'm happy that he found the same thing. Uh, it goes through his Navy career here. I had a total of three deployments. I served as barracks manager in the Marine Corps Air Station at uh, Iwakuni, Japan. Uh, he also traveled to France, Italy, Bahrain, Dubai, Australia, Singapore, and the Philippines. Um, and then uh, he decided to uh, move on over into the green industry. What's interesting specifically about this to me is that he's taking advantage of a two-year program, which I have seen on the turf Twitter uh, sphere. Uh, it looks like the two-year programs are being promoted quite aggressively by universities, and I'm not exactly sure why. Maybe it's the fact that it's only two years, um, uh, but, but at, a, at a reduced cost. 
Uh, maybe they're thinking that would have broader appeal to attract new people into the industry. Uh, but here we have a, a gentleman who is making his way through it, doing the damn thing and is going to be a valuable asset. And I, I commend him, not just for his service for the country, but also in becoming a turf grass manager. Good for you, buddy. Agreed. You know, you got a number one, a veteran here. Thank you for your service. Uh, and, and again, we talked about this uh, before here, gentlemen, like Ray and I are the unicorns. And I don't mean that to say that we're special or anything like that. We're probably the more masochistic, really fucked up people in this industry that knew <laughs> from like birth that this is where we were supposed to be. God help us. But um, I, I love seeing people find their place in this industry. And then not only that, but then finding a way to get themselves educated in it. And that doesn't necessarily mean that everybody has to go to college. It doesn't necessarily mean everybody has to have a four-year degree a two-year degree, whatever. Like, we all find our own paths. And so I think the thing that we sit here and focus right on is too much on is we don't have enough help. We don't have good people. We don't have this. We don't have that. Guess what? There's a lot of good fucking people that are already here, and there's a lot of really great fucking people that don't know that they should be here yet. It is our job to find them, convince them, make them aware, all those things, right? So as much time and energy and effort as we put into bitching about this problem that we all have, there's nobody that's saying, hey, man, I'm fucking full. I've got way too many good people. I got to fucking cut some people. There's nobody saying that. Nobody. So listen, if you aren't in that club, then you should be trying to do everything in your absolute power, not just for yourself and not just for your company, your place of business, whatever, but for this industry is to help people find, become more aware of, and see that there is a path to doing this for a living and get paid pretty goddamn well for it too. Right, Ray? That's right. I mean, I don't ever tell people, you know, stay out of this industry. I tell people, get yourself educated, learn. And, you know, that is why I devote a lot of what I do to just plain old educating people. Just educating people. I mean, I don't want to take this with me to the grave should uh, a bus run over me or North Korea goes nuts and, uh, you know, blows Hawaii <laughs> off the map tomorrow. I mean, I don't want to take that with hey. me, okay? <laughs> and you should definitely ha Listen, if anybody needs a lead hat in this room, it's definitely Ray because of Kim Jong. Well, yeah. when you tap, tap it, and it doesn't ding ding you know you know you've got a solid material there to be able to deflect <laughs> that's right that's right that's right but uh you know that's why i devote so much of my energy to educating people and helping people i mean if somebody asks me and and wants to know okay how do i do this I'll, I'll help them. I'll take the time. I will absolutely help them. And uh, I will even tell them, if you really want to learn this deep, uh, here's what you got to do. And there's been instances where I've had people take me up on it and really improve themselves as people. And You know what? I, I, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I think the antithesis of that going the other direction is making uh, a YouTube channel and getting affiliate links. So, you know, there's also that way to go too. If you want to go the other direction. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, that's yes. the fastest way to make a million dollars right there. That is with, Oh that, yeah. Is to, uh, uh make 6% a of a 6% six, six or what, 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 six bucks of every hundred dollar jug of humic 12 you sell. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. you're going to, that's, that's going to get you there. Uh, also in positive news, uh, coming out of Columbus, Ohio, Ohio state has figured out at least what is taking place with a bacteria that is infecting plants and creating an issue called Stewart's wilt. Uh, a species of bacteria that infect corn crops compel their host to produce a feast of nutrients that keep the pathogens alive and thriving long before they start to kill the plant cells. New research shows the lab conditions don't represent exactly what happens in the field. The research provides insight into fundamental processes central to the ability of a pathogen to cause a corn disease prevalent in the central, north, uh, central and northeastern U.S. called Stewart's Will. These bacteria are also creating problems for rice and tra- jackfruit crops in part of the eastern hemisphere. Uh, and, if, and what they ended up determining is that uh, a, a bacterial virulence factor, a protein called WTSE, initiates the mobilization of food and water into spaces where the bacteria reside. And so basically what this is doing, the, the, the plant is giving up its own nutrients and giving it to the bacteria to allow it to proliferate. And so basically what they're saying is that maybe now knowing this, they'll be able to attack it from the standpoint of eliminating that nutrient availability for the proliferation of the bacteria. Pretty cool ass work here to unpack that. To be honest, I have, I had never heard of Stuart's wilt before, uh, but I can tell you that just uh, hearing what kind of effect that has, uh, that is, that's, that's scary. Uh, it does not sound like there's a lot of control measures currently available for it. And so, uh, a good work by Ohio State for getting out there and getting the damn You're thing. You're fucking done. right, buddy. You heard it here. Yeah. Hey, by the way, I saw somebody in Columbus, Ohio, randomly today with a UT Vol shirt on. Like, That's a smart mm-hmm. guy right there. I, I about <laughs> walked up to him and told him, like, I, I almost asked him uh, two questions. I said, hey, do you know Matt Martin? And then the second question was, how quick can you get the fuck out of here with that shirt, huh? No, all you have to say, <laughs> all you have to say is, does it feel like 98? And I guarantee you that guy is going to do a cartwheel, a backhand spring, high five. I was just going to start telling him to go F himself. I was just going to say, I was just going to start saying a good old Rocky top. And I'm sure he would have joined right in. He would have joined right (laughs) in. But no, for real, like this is, uh, this is the kind of shit though. You know, you talk about unpacking stuff like, um, the dollar spot, uh, pathogen, right. Is, is somewhat similar in that, you know, it will, sever you know uh the xylem within the turf grass plant right to cut off water Mm -hmm. right to the shoots so you know the these pathogens are are very interesting and they're talking about bacteria here not fungus like where i'm talking about dollar spot but i think the most important thing here is what they're saying is is that if we can breed right out some of these proteins and some of these things right that will trigger certain response maybe that's the pathway towards you know achieving long-term sustainable success against the disease rather than trying to find, you know, hit Ray some uh, fungicide slot machine lottery of, <laughs> I mean, that's that's what they're doing at this point when they're developing chemistry. It's just, hey, let's spray a whole bunch of shit on this stuff and figure out what can stop it, and then hopefully we can take that to market. Yeah, well, I think that product development, though, has uh, changed quite a bit in that there is a lot of computer modeling uh, and prediction taking place, whereas previously, I think up until the 
1980s and 1990s, a lot of the molecules were accidents. Like, for example, the people at the chemical companies just, oh, here's a compound. It has an extremely low LD50. What does it do? Okay, that was, that was the, the, the research direction, and they wanted to find out, is this active on fungus? Is this active on weeds? Is this active on insects? Is this active on mites or, or nematodes? I mean, they, it was just uh, throw it at the wall and see if the thing sticks, right? Pretty much. And, and uh, that's, for example, I get asked, for example, so how did they figure out that something like benzolide worked for poa and crabgrass? When they say, wait a minute, that is an organophosphate. I don't know. I have no idea <laughs> who figured that out, but uh, that's important because that's one of the few things, for example, that can be used on a pint or Bermuda green. Yeah, and yeah. Again, I just I hope that uh, more of this comes to pass, but it doesn't happen without research. And right now, research is at a premium. So you know, all all things said, it's good to see you successes of this. We need to highlight it, especially too, Matt, when it comes from one of the most uh, bestest football programs in the country. <laughs> That's right, uh, gentlemen. Let's check out this week's mailbag. You've got mail. Oh uh, this one is from Lucas. He says, I have a question about a product from Foliar Pack. I want to apply MicroSync out of my Permagreen alongside Escalade 2. Uh, my question is, is, will this be okay to run? And if not, what product do you recommend doing? Um, I'm not super familiar with MicroSync. I do not know the source. And if you're spraying it with a broadleaf weed control application, what is he doing? Escalade 2. Does that contain 2,4-D? I don't know if it does or not. Uh, I was yes, going to say does. that... It, if yeah. microsync is derived from ferrous sulfate, I believe ferrous sulfate can be antagonistic against 2,4-D. Um, I was trying to Google that. Uh, Hang on. Here is a uh, uh, iron source iron DP- 2,4-D tank mixtures influences weed control. DP- um, DTPA is the iron source in there. Uh, DTPA is? Then, then yeah. you, are, you should be gravy there, and you can combine those two, and you can apply them. Have at it. What I, two ounces yeah. per thousand out of the out of the triumph. Yeah, that's low, but I, I don't think you're going to burn anything that way. Now, I, I, I know specifically I've had conversations with the foliar pet guys before about this product and several others, and it is literally made and built in such a way that you can include it in lawn care applications like this. Well, there you go. Um, I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. We had a ton of fun discussing all these topics. Um, if you would like to help pick the name of this episode, uh, then you can become a patron at patreon.com forward slash burn and return. At our next level here, we have we have already started movie night. We had our first movie night, and uh, I had to watch um, I had to watch Step Brothers. And I'm not going to lie, I wanted to vomit the first half of it. And then after about my third bourbon, uh, the anxiety uh, uh, went away, and I was able to, to laugh a little bit. But it was it was pretty painful there for the first half of it, and uh, but it but it did turn out to be funny after all. Uh, after I I took a moment. Tell them what our next myself. what our next goal is. What are we, what are we our next here? goal? Our next goal is we are looking at making a yearly meetup a reality, uh, and so that will be where we have a live show every year 
um, where we invite all the patrons to come hang out and uh, we spend a weekend together or, you know, actually middle of the week kind of situation, but we'll, we can discuss dates and all that fun stuff. But a multiple day event where we get out there, we, we go as hard as we possibly You've can for a mail. few days and really get to know each other. I mean, we had so much fun last time. I mean, just some of the names of people that were out there. Uh, Robert Palmer, um, uh, Barthodo was there. Uh, Kenny oh, yeah. Cooper was there. Uh, I mean, Kenny Cooper, shit loads. How did you do Kenny Cooper without saying his accent? I, 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 I busted his balls so bad. At the, I still feel bad about it. I did nothing <laughs> but bust his balls because that one, I, I was already a little inebriated, you know, and so it was the only thing that kept popping in my mind every time I was no, yes, yes. No. Uh, so. It was great. Uh, and and so anyway, that's where we're going. And that would be, allow us to be able to do that. And uh, so if you're of means to be able to do that, please, please offer the level of support. If you're of not of means to do that, then don't worry about it. And no harm, no foul. We still love you anyway. All right. We're heading over. We're going to go pick the title of this. Thank you all. We'll see you next week.